Hey folks, you're listening to The Idea Roastery. I'm Herman. And I'm Jason. And Jason, you've been hearing about all the return to work or return to office mandates, especially coming out of big tech in the past couple of months. Uh, what are your thoughts about returning to the office versus uh, remote work? I'm going to be a little bit controversial um, because I'm quite in favor of working from the office. I see a lot of benefits to it. But I also realize that in my current capacity, there are certain uh, traits such as uh, being young, uh, younger, uh, professional, and uh, having less dependencies um, in terms of looking after family and stuff like that. So for me, I see the workplace as a part of like a social um, circle, as well as like what I do for a living. So I, I would lean on the being in favor of it. Uh, but I also recognize that there is a, a certain element of suspicion around the the work from office policies because of the sort of economic situation that uh, a lot of countries are dealing with, i.e. they're using it as a, as a tool to uh, force attrition uh, and, and force rather than doing like a, a round of layoffs. I've I've heard that theory as well that uh, if you are a big company and you want to do a round of layoffs, but don't want to get all the bad press, what you do is you just call everyone back to the office, and your analysts hypothesize that there's going to be twenty percent of the workforce that says no, thank you, I'm going to leave the company, and then you don't have to pay severance and you don't have to go through the uh, through the hassle of writing the open letter to the employees on your blog and being listed on um what's that website that has all the layoffs layoffs.fyi and what's your opinion that's a that, it's an interesting theory yeah it's an interesting theory i wouldn't say yeah I, I, it, it it is a uh, yeah it's a theory it's it's not like uh any any proof in there uh what's your what's your opinion being uh pretty much a remote worker for at least the last what, eight years yeah, eight or nine years. So I really enjoyed remote work. Um, and I just want to put out that I was remote work before it was cool. So this is prior to the pandemic. I was working in a completely distributed team. But now this was also a small team of seven or eight of us distributed throughout the world. And we would have a standardized time to chat uh, three times a week. And I think that this is a very different structure to let's take for instance the big corporates or these larger tech companies like google and facebook and all that in that when you are a team of seven or eight uh this is a highly motivated team with high visibility amongst its team members and so i think remote work works better inside of a system like that because you would have a very difficult time slacking off. However, if you are working at a 10,000 person company, uh, and we're seeing a lot of this nowadays where people are like writing Reddit threads anonymously talking about how they have, you know, four jobs right now. And in every one of those jobs, they are definitely not working another three, but especially when improving their capacity for work with tools like ChatGPT, they, they're just hyper-productive, or at least they seem to be productive enough for each of those jobs, 
or they're just slacking off. I mean, I personally have a friend and I won't name who this friend is who has just taken on his third job. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I guess that maybe it talks to like a, partially a trust thing. Uh, I think a lot of people who feel like they're being forced back are doing it because of those kind of aspects because we saw like screen readers uh, and, you know, productivity tracker tools uh, emerging about a year ago. I think everyone was quite bullish on remote work coming out of the pandemic. Uh, I think there were certain offshoots, especially in terms of employee satisfaction. I think there were lots of people who were really happy to have more time commuting less uh, and being able to apply themselves more into their work. But I think as time has progressed, there are certain other aspects um, that I've seen um, that are degrading. Um, myself coming from a company that's got quite a strong culture, I think there is a dilution of culture um, when you don't have people interacting with each other on a daily basis. When I joined uh, my current role, uh, I was completely remote. And what I also see is the people who are joining uh, teams are especially younger people are struggling to figure out what to actually do in their roles because there's either not very good onboarding or it's just that there is a certain degree of osmosis that happens when you are around other people you see how they act you see how they behave uh you you know start to in a sense mimic them someone can walk by look over your shoulder see that you're struggling you know give you some direction is yeah there's there's i definitely think that a lot of that is missing especially for new people at a company uh and i'm i'm sure that there are ways that companies have to evolve to better onboard these new employees uh but to further your point over there i've also read a few uh articles again mostly anonymously by people who are a remote worker at a company that is not necessarily entirely remote and they will be complaining how they keep on getting passed over for promotion or uh, their work isn't necessarily being recognized because the the work isn't necessarily as visible you know no one's like celebrating what they did because they're you know at their home uh somewhere else whereas everyone else is you know at the water cooler having a chat going out for lunch together etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you think is the root of this do you think that the work culture is like is work seen as less of a desirable thing to do and, and i mean I, I feel like that like i, I kind of know the answer is like obviously everyone wants to spend less time working but is it that like as a culture uh people are just becoming less interested in work um i think think that that's a mixed bag. I think that there's definitely a lot more discourse around, you know, this anti-work movement, especially uh, with Gen Z. Um, and I don't want to, you know, paint with broad strokes over here. But that being said, I do know a lot of people who find a lot of meaning and purpose in the work that they do and would be pretty miserable otherwise. I also know quite a few people who are really happy to go into the office. They are office going people. They're like, that's the place where I go to to get shit done. And then my home is where I chill, where I socialize, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, but I socialize with my friends at home and then I socialize with my colleagues at work, some of also my friends, but there's like a, a more distinct delineation over there. I think what people don't miss, and this is more of an American problem or a Joburg problem if you're talking in the context of South Africa, is people do not miss the commute, right? Because the commute is generally non-paid, stressful, shitty, you know, 45 minutes to an hour each way. And if you are in America, you probably live in a, you know, car centric suburb and it's just awful getting into the city and then back out again. Um, especially when you're not being paid for it. So adding an extra, let's call it a two hours to, to your personal day and not just that, but also like the emotional drain and the just mental fatigue that comes with, with that commute like I, I completely get that. Uh, whereas if you're, if your office is, you know, within walking within a 15, 20 minute walk, I don't think that that would be as big of a contentious point, which is why these uh, return to work mandate complaints and everything tend to be Americans complaining about American companies. I, I've seen very, uh, very few examples of, of this popping up in Europe where they're like, uh, my office is just down the road, but they want me to come back into the office. No, this is not cool. No, no, I think it, I, I think it is, and it it's almost like if people are not going to, uh, like if people are not going to concede to come back into the office. I think the thing is, we do we have um, we've known about commutes being a problem before that. I think what people haven't done before uh, the pandemic is just quantify how bad they are i know you and i have read happy city uh it's it's a lovely little book that goes into how much you, you actually affect your mental um state just by being in traffic for like an hour like both ways so i think people haven't quantified that sacrifice that they're making by working in a certain company and so maybe the idea is that either companies need to stretch themselves out into um, other parts of um, if you think of like satellite cities um, not being central like I'm thinking of Cape Town uh, I know like parts of San Francisco and LA are like like they've got really bad traffic Cape Town is really bad traffic um, but maybe there's going to be a, a an element of pulling parts of the office into sort of remote sites obviously there's you know staffing requirements there um, but maybe that's what's what's going to be the best future is where we have some sort of collection, um, but it's not necessarily at HQ. And you might have sort of smaller office spaces uh, that are, you know, co-inhabited on a rented basis um, as an alternative. I think that that's a great alternative. And I'm definitely seeing um, this hybrid approach where not only can people choose whether to come in or when to come in um but it it gives people a lot more flexibility and so this is anecdota but one of the main reasons i've heard from friends saying why they don't want to return to the office is that they let's take for instance they have to go and pick up their passport or they have to go and do some admin they don't want to take leave to go and do that. So instead, what they do is they work. They 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 just have a lot more flexibility around what they can do with their day. And 
you know, am I saying that that's dishonest towards their company? Are they robbing their company of that time that they were meant to be working? Maybe, but I guess when it comes down to what the company needs, if this is a sufficiently good employee and you want to retain them, then maybe it is worth the potential downside of them not being as dedicated to clocking in the hours as you might like them to be. Yeah, exactly. But uh, like, I, what kind of prompted me to have this conversation is that I did see a tweet um, about it and someone was saying like, I'm not hiring you to just churn out lines of code. Um, and this is in the context of software development, obviously. I'm not hiring you to churn out lines of code. I'm hiring you to also, you know, be part of transmitting uh, details to the rest of the team and upskilling others. Uh, so I think maybe in terms of like what constitutes a good person, I think these other factors do play into it, right? Where you are able to sort of coach a team. And maybe it's also that there hasn't been a strong enough effort to build out the tool sets and the mental models to be able to accomplish this. Um, because the, to be honest, one of the reasons why I go to the office is I don't really like this whole, oh, let me schedule 30 minutes in your diary next week just to ask us a small question. And Slack is also not always the best approach because there's only so much you can express through a Slack message. And so what I find is that my team is potentially not geared uh, to be able to work asynchronously. But I, I ha have seen uh, a few people advocating for things like uh, Loom uh, and recording all of your meetings and just having them transcribed and uh, using video instead of text uh, or using voice notes instead of text to try and uh, communicate between each other in a more ad hoc basis. So I, I think it's just the tooling isn't quite there, but I also think I, I also think that there is you know room for improvement on both sides in terms of making sure that remote work works. I, I agree with you over there. Um, I, I do want to say, though, that compared to before the pandemic, we're, I think, much better at this. Before the pandemic, you know, the butts and uh, we, we had this idea of butts and seats important. And I think that that thinking has evolved towards a more productivity and retention focused uh, model where companies are less interested in making sure that you clock in, clock out at the correct times and are more interested in making sure that you get your work done, even if that means letting you work in the way that you find the most productive and then the uh, you know just letting you at it. Um, I think that, again, this works best with sufficiently motivated employees, so, you know, it doesn't doesn't work for everyone. You might have to use uh, yeah. use those those nasty tools to handle, let's take, for instance, jobs that no one wants to do. Um, but I also think that the, the the tools have improved a lot over the last three years. I mean, you know, think about how many startups turn into multi-billion dollar companies uh, because everyone you know moved to to working from home uh, we're we're recording this on zoom and zoom was the the baby of yeah. of 2020 uh so <laughs> so there's that 
yeah no it's uh it, it's a it's a complicated topic and and I, I i do think there's there's both sides but just to kind of like nudge towards uh, a conclusion uh do you think there's anything i mean we've seen like we work go bankrupt uh and we've seen like this sort of uh removal of people from the cities right uh and to a certain extent uh i've seen articles about cities becoming like quiet uh there's not enough economic activity in the cities do you think there's going to be a revival um of uh the workplace inside of a city so i okay i'm gonna get opinionated over here so we work went bankrupt because of the Ponzi scheme-esque funding structure that is pervasive in Silicon Valley startups. And so they just like took tech startup funding model and then used that on like real, real estate, estate letting. Yeah. And so like the bag holder was going to be someone, right? And it just happened to be the person, the, the investors that were holding the bags at the time where they're like, oh yeah, no, this isn't going to generate the amount of money that's been been sunk into it. And you know, and yeah, bad leadership and all that good stuff. Except for that, I think that and you know, I'm I'm talking about Cape Town specifically over here. Um, but I have I have visited co-working spaces in Bali uh and in Thailand. Uh, and in the the Canary Islands, and they're thriving. Like co-working spaces here in Cape Town are full in summer, uh, and when I say full, I mean like I've been turned away from I've been turned away from a co-working space on Kloof because they're like, hey, there's too many Germans here, man. I understand that the context is slightly different because this is a tourist hotspot. Same with Thailand and Bali, um, but I get the feeling that most big cities are tourist hotspots. I mean, like people are going to London to just check it out. People are going to New York to check it out. Um, maybe if you're, you know, somewhere, somewhere niche, like you're in Tilburg, you might have a harder time, but I, I don't know enough about the economics of Tilburg to, to comment on that. Yeah. Do you, do you think, I mean, one of the factors I'm also thinking about is that people who are remote working, um, are they, contribute i mean they obviously contributing to their local economies but in some suburbs there just isn't that much of a local economy per se so i think there's always unless people take an active role to try and uh prop up some sort of sense of social connection within their own suburb or wherever they live uh, and i'm not saying this is for everyone but but i think there's a certain attraction to cities for those like Hey, you get to go to like a open street fest, or you get to go, you know, see some art on a on a wall. Some dance. How is it that alley. all of our conversations just devolve into like, geez, America really fucked up city planning here? <laughs> I mean, most most countries do. I mean, like even in the UK here, like they are like small towns. I guess they do have some economy, but maybe that's why you go there. But they're not going to have like a meetup for Java developers or. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, like in the in an American suburbs, you're kind of like stuck there. So you you pack your refrigerator and your freezer for the next three weeks whenever you go to Walmart, and you don't really have to leave the house. Whereas in 
a lot of other places in the world, I would arguably say most other places in the world that didn't necessarily follow the Americanized model is, you know, I'm still going to go to the coffee shop down the road. I'm still going to go out for dinner once or twice a week. Uh, I go to the grocery store. I, you know, there, there's all these things that that surround the living space. And so while I work from home, I still operate within you know, the surrounding area. Mm. And this, and I can say this about the places that I visited as well, albeit, yes, I, I was a tourist in those places. However, if you're in a, you know, proper, a proper suburb where there aren't any restaurants and the only walk you can take is to walk the dog because you can't actually get anywhere, um, then yeah, I, I agree with you that it possibly has an impact on the economy because people aren't necessarily going and spreading that wealth around and and helping that money move. And also there's just like a people problem, right? Because, you know, there's, as your number of people go down in the, in the suburbs, you, you just don't have those people to like do those things. And so I think there's always going to be an attraction to the work. I think there's always going to be people who make the sacrifice uh, to either live in the city at a in a, a worse dwelling, uh, I would say like the one of the reasons why I live relatively close to um, the center is because I've chosen to sacrifice like space and, you know, creature comforts. So I think there is a sacrifice that needs to be taken to go into the cities. But I think there is a reward that you get uh, up until a point where, you know, maybe you have kids and other uh, obligations, um, you know, parents that you need to look after. Then, you know, at a certain age, I think people will move outside and look for those centers. I'd even argue with you over there is uh, I, I think that moving out to a suburb is committing to commuting. Mm, that's a good point. So I think if, if, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Um, if if we sound a bit different today, it's because I'm recovering from either a bad flu or COVID or something like that. So I'm holed up in the apartment uh, with a bit of a raspy throat and Jason's got some holes in him. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, it's just appendix. So uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, uh, leave us a comment, leave us a five star review and let us know what you'd like to hear of hear about next and share it with your friends and share it with your friends jeez man my head is full of cotton all right <laughs>